How do we revolutionize cancer care? What innovations can solve global food scarcity? Can the next big leap in drug development come from a place you might not expect? These are the questions that drive us on New Wave, a podcast where curiosity meets life-changing science. In Nova Scotia, a new wave of pioneers are answering these questions, from reimagining how we treat the most daunting diseases to tackling the challenges of feeding a growing planet. Their stories are as inspiring as they are impactful. I'm Taylor McGilvery. Join me as we dive into these extraordinary narratives. We're not just talking about scientific breakthroughs. We're exploring how these advancements touch lives, reshape communities, and pave the way for a brighter future. Subscribe to New Wave on your favorite platform. Be part of a journey that takes you to the heart of innovation and shows how, in Nova Scotia, we're not just asking questions, we're finding answers. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, baby. Hello, my love. Ready for another another week of chit chat? Yeah, yeah, I am. You seem. I feel so far away from me though today. Yeah, well, in this my is, own little space. This is yeah. This is it. You're you're at your home, and I'm here at the lovely sick boy headquarters. <clears throat> and um, usually, I would be there, but it's minus twenty seven degrees out with the wind chill, so I I can't go outside. My dick that, al- that will kill me. My dick almost fell off. Whoa! And and I got dro- I got drove here. I walked outside. So you had to 
I, I was outside for a total of um, 13 seconds and mm-hmm. literally had to sew my dick back on when I got up to the office. Oh, my God. Thank God Brian had um, needle and thread. Oh, fuck me. The, if, if anyone's watching this on the YouTube or on the uh, Patreon, <laughs> turn me on. I lost you. Patreon.com. I lost turn you. Me on. My, the battery in the camera just died, so I have to change that out. All um, right. Should I just talk? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so for anybody who is uh, not in Nova Scotia right now, it is minus 27 degrees with the wind chill. And I dare say that's the coldest temperature that I have seen on my weather app um, this entire entire winter. Just when I thought that the longest month of winter was over, um, turns out that we are just all that rain we got yesterday is now frozen into solid ice blocks of dirty snow. But that being said, spring is on its way. There's only two weeks till daylight savings time for those of us in the world who still do that. Um, which means, you know, longer days, more light, more warmth. And I, I always thought of myself as someone who could like handle winter because my birthday is right at the end of February. So it gives me like a good halfway point to like market by. Mm -hmm. But I would have to say that the fact that we're probably only halfway through (laughs) is mind boggling, mind boggling to me. Riveting stuff. uh, Talking about the weather on a podcast. Fuck Um, you. Don't tell me to vamp and then criticize me when you come back here. You know what that makes me want to do? This. This. Well, you could have vamped about how we uh, had a lovely weekend away. Uh, Me and you and your your beau and mine at, uh, at a spooky little schoolhouse on a graveyard. It's yeah, fucking, it was cute. Yeah, that was nice. Um, so we have a bit of a in, to, in Todd and my relationship. We have a bit of a tradition of going away for cabin um, cabin birthdays. Mm-hmm. I I over the last four years we have stayed at some really remarkable spots, but it has it's you know we're we're really getting to explore our own backyard, mm-hmm. um, particularly with COVID and. I like a good spooky spot. I love a good graveyard. I love. Um, so do I. I don't know. I like. I just feel really connected to humanity when I'm in a graveyard. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like when you really stop and think about what you're looking at, like a whole lifetime. It is with family yeah. and relationships. It's it's and, artwork for me. For me, I, I see I see the art in it. Like it's there's like a, a beauty in the in the, um, the, like the tradition of it is, is there's very, there's something very like, I, I've I always, I've always really, really enjoyed, um, uh, like Christian art. Okay. Um, and there's something about, especially that graveyard that we were at, which is like too old as fuck. Like there were graves in there from, the early 1800s and they're just like these beautiful old, old ass tombstones. 
but the the writing that was on them there were, i had to write one mm-hmm. down there was one that really stuck out to me um it was just like it, there was it was so poetic this was like this old lady 70 like she was like 79 she died in like 1893 and uh all it said on her tombstone was life is a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanished. Okay. Isn't that beautiful? Keeping that in mind. It's beautiful. Keeping that in mind. One thing I want to note I do, but, but, but now that our headstones are um, so expensive and that, and you pay by the letter, I got to know. It was a different time back then, back then, back then there were like, you know, I doubt you even paid to have your, your ship buried back then like i i i Uh, I doubt that there was i i doubt that i feel like the business of of funeral ritual today is very different than what it was back in the 1800s i would love to know i would love to know because like certainly different burial traditions across the world are vastly vastly different but you're right like right that there's quite a bit of business involved and I'm sure you know, there. I'm sure but, there was business transactions happening, but like if you looked, at, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like today it's a very, it's a much. I don't know. I think today it's like a, it's a fucking sham. Whereas back yeah. then, there might there might have been it might have been a little I don't know a little nicer. I'm really thinking about it a lot because I I still have yet to purchase a headstone for my dad and. Um, I think about it regularly. Like, what do I? There, I have these ideas of there being like a stone bicycle because he always rode his bicycle, uh, or like, uh, I, you know what I found are these metal. Tell me, I don't. They're not headstones. Don't ask me how I found this, but these metal uh, balloon dogs mm. that I thought would be really interesting. Are you as allowed a to do that? Though? Like, are, can you? I have can no you... fucking idea. I mean, I'm sure my, I'm sure my family will veto anything. I hope they'll let me put his like nickname on there. You know, it's gotta be on. I asked him if he wanted his nickname on there before he died. And he said, yes. Izzard goat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but, but the whole cost per letter thing is a real, is a real stumper. Yeah. One thing I did like about those graveyard, um, headstones is that they're very specific with the length of life. Like it's not just like I born February twenty sixth, yeah, died, whatever. It's like aged seventy nine years, ten months, and three days. I fucking loved that part. That was that was my favorite. I want the if I mean I'm not gonna do the whole tombstone thing, but if I did, go right down to the hour. We should talk about that because I don't know what you want. What do you mean no tombstones? So you're just going to be in an un, unmarked, there'll be no marking, there'll be no earthly marking for you? I don't what know. Do you think? I don't know. I haven't thought about it enough. I mean, what I truly want is not possible here in this country, so so I don't know. What, what You got to tell me what that is. I want a sky burial. I want to be chopped like, up. You, in, I want to be chopped up into little pieces by a monk and then splayed out in a field and then have vultures eat me, eat my remains. Yeah, I don't think that's allowed. It's allowed in uh, some countries. Yeah, yeah. I think my dad had a similar, he wanted the most eco burial possible and he thought, yes, just like elevating his body and allowing the vultures. Uh, But no, it was a no-go. It's called a a Tibetan sky burial. 
And there's there's uh, there's other similar similar rituals in like India and stuff, but yeah, this one's uh, you just get chopped up in little bits, and then birds eat you, and they fly away into the sky with your remains, like little tuna poke pieces. We were talking about this on Sick Boy recently. Uh, we just like Sick Boy just transitioned over to YouTube, and uh, so we have a we our first YouTube episode. We talked about this guy, Prince Midnight, who took his uncle's remains and turned his uncle's skeleton into a uh a fucking electric guitar oh and, cool and, and now he just shreds his uncle's corpse you know maybe maybe since you know if i go down this road of of studying osteopathy maybe when you die i could take your skeleton and i could use it i could just hang it in my office and then I could use it to show people about their skeletal anatomies. I am super game for that. <laughs> I said to the guys, I was like, do whatever the fuck you want with my body. Like I'm down. I'm especially if it's remotely entertaining, like just, <laughs> just have your way with, with whatever this is. It, I, I don't need it. Once I'm gone, I don't need it. Fucking do it. So find a need for it. Find a use for it. Turn yeah, me into, boil. turn me into a puppet. Get a, get find a ventriloquist, and and have him tour North America with his hand all the way up my ass, chattering my jaw with his mouth, telling jokes. Well, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because there's clearly much more that we need to discuss before you yeah. die or before I die, yeah. if um we're gonna be able to fulfill each other's wishes. Yeah. Um, I don't even really know what my wishes are. So I'll try to get clear on that. And, um, and we should do some proper death planning okay. um, at some point. At All some right, point. Sure. We can, we can um, incorporate that into the show. Couples who death but, plan to, together. <laughs> um, one of the things that came up this weekend, um, which I, I hope you're okay with me mentioning on here. Okay. Um, we just had, had a little moment. And it's, it's, it, and I'm glad we did because it, it was something that I've been sort of feeling, which is like, we don't live together. Um, it's winter so we're, and it's COVID. So we're mm. not outside and socializing. <laughs> I have this new brand new fun immune system disorder that makes me just want to hibernate and never go outside. Mm -hmm. and, and as a result, like as a result, I, I feel a little distant from you. I feel like, um, I feel like we, we haven't had the opportunities to do the things that we like to do together, like mm -hmm. travel and go listen to music and just like enjoy the world and create fun new experiences together. Yeah. And, um, you kind of mentioned that to me at one point when we were together on the weekend and, and, uh, and I, I actually found something online that I think might be kind of relevant to that. Um, and it comes from, since we talked about the Gottmans last week or whenever that was, it, it comes from their website Okay, and it's this, it's this concept called love maps. And it's what they say is the foundation to a successful and happy relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's what all your trust and your intimacy is built on, which is this friendship. And 
And love maps are, I think the way that they define it is this knowing, this intimate knowing of your partner in terms of like who their close friends are and Mm. what exciting things they have going on in their lives and um, what their new interests are, what music they're listening to, Mm. you know, et cetera. So that you have this like, basis of this ground of like kind of knowing how your partner is doing at all times, not yeah. at all times, but like <clears throat> ongoing. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not familiar with, uh, what did you say? Love maps? Yeah. That's what they call okay. them. Yeah. Love I'm not, maps. I'm not familiar with this term, but, but it does, it does remind me of, uh, some of what was said in that Brene Brown episode with with the Gottmans where they were talking about like they were essentially saying how you know the key to a successful relationship is 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 the friendship that is that exists between the couple and so mm-hmm. you know you should you should be best friends with your lover you should be best friends with this person that you are spending the rest of your life with or that you you know that there's this notion that you want to spend the rest of your life with. Um, and, and they sort of like qualified that with, you know, uh, it's important to express interest in their day, to express Mm -hmm. interest in the things that they're up to, to, Mm to, to, to dig, to dig and inquire on into the, um, yeah, like their, their day to day sort of, you know, what's, what's on their mind, how are things going? What's new? Um, so it sounds like, it sounds like maybe they were kind of just like, just, just hitting the tip of the iceberg in that, in, in expressing that in that piece during the, the episode that we were referring to last week. Um, but this, this like love maps thing seems to be perhaps that's more of a deep dive into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that they suggest is that you're always keeping your love maps up to date Mm. Um, for sure. Like making time at, at, at the end of the day to ask about your partner's day, um, ask lots of questions um, and to regularly check in. And one of the things they say, they say, keep your love maps up to date by ensure by ensuring you're aware of the following, the present cast of characters in your partner's life, including friends, potential friends and rivals, um, mm. recent and upcoming important events. What has your partner achieved that they're proud of recently? What is your partner excited about or dreading and your partner's current worries and aspirations? Mm. So I thought those are really interesting points and they have they have um, a how-to section, like how to build a love map with an exercise, which is really just like a list of, I don't want to say skill testing questions, but questions that you can sort of ask yourself or maybe we could ask each other to to just maybe uncover some things that we, we... might have kind of had a blind eye to, or that, or we, or that could be really interesting topics of conversation. Um, if we, if we explore them together. So would you be down to, to, to go through a couple of these questions with me? Do you, you want to do it on the show? Do you want to do it right now? Yeah, let's do it right now. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. 
Okay. I'm into that. Okay, cool. And if you want to um, watch it, folks, if you're at home and you're listening to this and you're on the, you're in the car or you're on a run and you're just thinking to yourself, fuck, golly, I wish I could watch the two of them do this with my <laughs> eyeballs. You can do that. You can go to patreon.com slash turn me on. Not only will you be supporting the show and uh, keeping the show afloat, but you'll also be getting fun, cool, exclusive stuff like watching our foreplay segments or getting exclusive merch. So you can do that if you want. And if you don't, fuck you. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. Thank you for tuning it's, in. You know, five bucks. Five bucks is a coffee a month. And, right. you know, we'll share it. Jeremy and I will share that coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually am not drinking coffee right now because of the old immune system. But, oh, you know, some sort of. Coconut milk based tea yeah. drink. Yeah, yeah, something like that. All right, cool. Yeah, okay. let's do this. I, I like this idea. This is this is okay. cute. So here here is um the first one that's on here. It says name your partner's two closest friends. <laughs> well, that's fucking easy. Easy. Uh, wait, Brian and you, Taylor. Are, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'm right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Do you know who my two closest friends are? But you know what? You could you also could have said, Bride, you could have said uh yourself and Leah. That's well. true. You could have. That, That's I mean, true. I would have accepted both answers. Okay, but, I, but I'll accept. I'll accept Brian and Taylor. I'll accept that. Uh, okay. Uh, yours. I am going to say. Aside from you and Todd. Aside from me and Todd, I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, geez, this is really tough because I I feel like you don't your best friends aren't here. And you yeah, have a, my you cast have a, you of characters. Of, they're all over the place. And you, uh, mm-hmm. I would say, I would guess if I was to guess, and this would probably be the same that I would guess pretty much throughout our entire relationship is uh, Jody and Laura. Oh, but, I love that. But I know that that might be, that might change depending on how often, you know, when people live across the country, it's, you know, it's easy to fall out of touch, even though it doesn't mean uh, that the relationship has changed. It just means that you haven't you know, kept up in a while. Which is a really also like interesting thing to consider when we're talking about this being a foundation of strong relationships. Cause that's something that I definitely feel about my closest friends is like that they're not, I, they're not a part of my day to day life. And yeah. you know, we fought, we do fall out of touch in terms of like, what are the, what are my current hopes and dreams and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. So who, so, so who are they to you in your mind? Right now. Well, I and no offense, really Laura and, and, uh, and Jody, if you hear this and Bridie doesn't say you. <laughs> well, um, I would, I would probably say Jenna is someone who I talk to. Of course. Really often um, about, about everything. This is funny. And then if no I, one knows any of these people, but yes, yes. No. Yeah. And if I go through my, and I honestly, I think if I go through like, let's say my most recent list of texting messages, all the people that you mentioned are on there. But I think I need to say my sister, Tara, because uh, yes, yes. she is yeah. like, even though we don't talk sometimes, even for maybe a month at a time, yeah. I feel like, I feel like, I feel just so fucking grateful even naming all of these people mm. that have been named to have access that I have access to as like, as like my, my board of directors, like the team of people that I consult mm. about my life and my concerns, my fears, et cetera. Mm. So, I like all right. That. 
Okay, cool. That was question, well, that was question for, number one. Thanks for letting me know that. That's good to know. <laughs> um, how about... Uh, what <laughs> What is my favorite way to spend an evening? Your favorite way to spend an evening? Yeah, I suppose I, I, we could uh, ask each other or you could guess. Sure. Uh, I'm going to guess. This is now turning into this is now turning into like the newlyweds game. But sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, your favorite way to spend an evening um, uh, cooking a really nice meal and then and then relaxing on the couch with a uh, a funny show or um, or a a gentle game. <laughs> That's pretty bang on. A gentle and, oh, game. And, oh, let me let me finish I, that with a very early bedtime, <laughs> followed by a very early bedtime. That would be that would be my uh, what I would say. That you're spot on. Yeah, I know. Okay, okay. Um, then for you, I want to <laughs> say, um, I I imagine if you had. I imagine if you had your ideal situation, it would be dinner out with someone you love and enjoy, maybe a a nice place to get a drink as well. And then either going to listen to some live music or going home to your abundant record collection and snuggling with someone you want to get cozy with and also enjoying some high quality because you have some of the best taste in entertainment that I know and joining, enjoying some high quality entertainment, whether it be records or film or television. That's how I see you spending your ideal evening. I think you nailed it. That's pretty ideal. Yep. Yep. Right on. Oh, whew. doing good. Okay. Let's just do one more. Okay. How many, how many, like how many of these are there? Like how, how many questions uh, exist on the map? Right here, there's 15. Okay, well, give me, let's do one more, but then maybe we can go through all 15 uh, just okay. so so listeners have an idea of what else exists there. Well, do you want me to read all 15 and then you can select one that, that sure. you would like? Yeah, okay. I like that. So um, this one I think is, I don't, I don't get this one as a part of this list. What was your partner wearing when you first met? Name one of your partner's hobbies. What stresses your partner right now? Describe in detail what your partner did today or yesterday. What is your partner's fondest unrealized dream? Hmm, I like that one. What is one of your partner's greatest fears or disaster scenarios? What is one of your partner's favorite ways to be soothed? Mm. name a person your partner dislikes. Uh, what is your partner's ideal job and what medical problems does your partner worry about? <laughs> okay. I, I would like for you to guess what uh, the, what is your partner's most fondest unrealized dream? <clears throat> oh, that's such a tough one. That is a hard, that's a hard one. That's a really hard one. Do you have a clear answer in your head? 100%. Yeah. It like, it came to me immediately when you said it. 
your fondest unrealized dream. Why are you laughing? It's going to be something oh, outlandish, no, no, isn't it? No, 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 <gasps> no. It'll be something that you'll go, you'll, you'll be like, you know this. You, you do know this, but you just might not I know. remember. It's okay. I though. think I know. What is it? You want to go to Japan? Uh, no, that wasn't what Back. I was thinking. But that is a that's a fond, unrealized dream so far. But that's an unrealized dream that, save for COVID going away someday, uh, will most certainly come true. This is okay, an unrealized so dream this- that will never come to be. Do you want to go to space? <clears throat> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, it was the oh. it was the unrealized dream of going to Jacques Lecoq, the clown <gasps> school. Oh. Right after, right after uh, theater school. Never say never, baby. Never say never. That's true. Yeah, but uh, I'm I pretty much got got that one figured out. I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't know. You might see if you're still alive in ten years, and you're like, you know what? I've been doing this this thing for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, I'll yeah. go be a professional clown. All right. What's uh, you choose one now, and and uh, I'll give my best shot. Some of these I just like. I mean, some way of them are easy huge. as fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I kind of, you know what? I'm going to ask you this question in hopes that I get some clarity. Okay. okay. Um, what, what's my ideal job? Ooh. And I'm asking you this, you know, and telling you that I don't even necessarily have the most clarity on this, but I, you knowing me, I wonder, I wonder if you see that about me. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's, there's, there's two sides to you. And one is, one is the side that is like, uh, endlessly curious in, in creativity. And so if it was, if that was, if it was the ideal, what was the question? Your ideal job? Yeah. Uh, if it's, if it's an ideal job, that's going to like, that's going to scratch that itch. Uh, my guess would be a, my guess would be, and this, that you probably have, probably haven't even thought about this, but I just think it would be, maybe it's not your ideal job, but maybe it's my, what I think you would think is your ideal job. If you just knew, if you just did it, but, uh, (laughs) if you were a published writer, I think Mm -hmm. that would be a pretty ideal setup for you. Um, A published, like a published writer, uh, like creative writer though. Not, not, uh, not like. A blog writer. No, no, no. Yeah. Like, like a playwright. And then uh, the other, the other one I would say is, um, you know, you have a, you have a deep passion for, um, for, uh, caring for others and, and like giving care, uh, and, you know, especially through touch, uh, which comes through in your yoga teaching. So I would say probably, uh, and, and you've been talking about this, but, uh, an, uh, osteopathy or some sort of, um, body manipulation work, osteopathy, RMT, something like that. I love that. Well, I'm glad there were no curveballs there. Like everything you just said, I'm like, I can, 
I can definitely see that. I can definitely see myself as that. And, and thank you for seeing me, Jeremy, because you need people in your life who see you and can remind you of those things about yourself sometimes if you're feeling yeah. a bit lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this was nice. Well, that was, that, that feels well, nice. <laughs> we should uh, we should do more work to to uh, fill out our our love map. I agree. <clears throat> I think that's I agree. nice. And if you're listening at home, uh, where can people find the information on how to fill out their love map with their loved one? Oh, great question. So you could head on over to um, the Gottman <clears throat> Institute, and I will I'll put it I'll put a link to it in the show notes because it's got one of those mm. really long uh, URLs. But they have a great blog on their website and cool. um, this is in that section yeah, and it's just called, it. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. This, this one, this one particular blog title is called the sound relationship house build love maps. So I like that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> another thing uh, that I should say, speaking of you wanting to give, to give wanting to touch people <laughs> and through, through human touch, uh, you've got a workshop coming up uh, at the end of the month the human mm. touch, human connection through touch workshop. Uh, yeah. Tickets are available for that for folks to pick up. And uh, you can find those in the show notes of last week's episode and this week's episode. Uh, I, I, I've updated that so you can definitely find it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and we've got a, we've got a number of people who've signed up so far. So it's really exciting. That's great. The link is also in our Instagram. And if you ever, um, are so inclined to find my personal website. It's just bridiemclean.com and you nice. can find it on there as well. And yeah, it, it's shaping up to be a really special um, event. I've got people asking, can I do this? Can I, can my mom and I do this together? hundred percent. That warms yeah. my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got lots of people who are having a, a tough time with chronic pain in their bodies. Um, this is, um, like I, like I mentioned originally or in the ad, um, or in the, the event description, we want to be able to, I want to be able to customize this, this session, this guided session, uh, to the bodies that are present. And so, um, you know, probably a week before the event, I'll send out an email with a little questionnaire about, um, movement, mobility, uh, what works for you, what doesn't work for you so that, uh, I can have all kinds of options for everyone there. And, um, and I'm really, I just, yeah, I'm so grateful to have the space to do it. And, and I hope lots of you are there. I'm excited for it. And, and our, our patrons, all Patreon patrons of all levels get a, um, a 10% discount. So, um, good time to sign up for, uh, us on Patreon. If you haven't already, patreon.com slash turn me on. Uh, all right. Let's throw to this week's conversation, which is truly, truly, truly such a pleasure to throw to. Uh, Kenzie Brenna has become a friend over the last few years, uh, which I'm so grateful to say. And uh, not only has she been a multiple time guest on Sick Boy Podcast, but she has also been a guest multiple times on, on this podcast podcast as well. Uh, although no one's, no one, none of our regular listeners, listeners have gotten to hear it because, um, she was our guest at a, at a live show. So, uh, we, we had the wonderful opportunity to sit down and just shoot the shit with someone who is such a forward thinker and elegant speaker and just overall like incredibly beautiful human being. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we go into everything self-love in this conversation. And uh, I know for a fact that any of you out there listening will enjoy this uh, as much as Bridie and I did. So please, please put your hands put your- together. <laughs> Big round of applause, everyone, <laughs> for our guest, Kenzie Brenna. Well, let's waste no time and get right to it. Uh, this is, it's always such a pleasure to, I mean, it, first of all, it's a pleasure just to know you, Kenzie. But then secondly, a pleasure to get down and, and sit down and, and shoot the shit with you, which is like, this is, we're kind of, it's, there, it, it's been a number of times now where, where I've, I've been uh, fortunate enough to be in your presence, whether that be in person or through these tiny little screens and just mm-hmm. chat with you. Um, you're such a lovely conversationalist and I'm, I'm just excited that you, you were up for coming on, turn me on again. A lot of folks who listen weekly probably don't know this, but we, uh, I guess it was like a month ago, we did a live show for a college in Ontario <clears throat> um, and you were our guest and it was mm-hmm. so fun that we decided, fuck, let's, uh, let's semi recreate that. <laughs> For I, for all the listeners. Totally. I'm so excited, Jer, as well. Um, you and Bridie have a type of like energy and an openness that just makes people feel so comfortable to be able to talk and listen to these types of conversations. Um, I don't even know what we're going to be talking about today, but I know that we'll get into some good, um, we'll get into some good stuff, but I love talking to you two um, on the mic and off the mic because um, you're just, you're open and you can talk about literally anything. Like if I was like, guys, I want to talk about sex and space. You're like, yep, we know something about that. I know one thing about that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but there's, um, there's like an openness and Bridie, I remember meeting you for the first time in that coffee shop here in Toronto and you were just like so warm and so inviting and you're both such good listeners as well. So I'm, I'm really, I'm stoked to know you both and just really excited to, um, have a really cool conversation. Well, let's talk about it. Sex in space. How does it work? And how much fun is it? I'm just surprised like you haven't, you didn't ask Chris Hatfield, like, can, like, what happens to um, come in space? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, can no, you jerk no. off? When we, we have those conversations no, with you? No, no. When we, we recorded with, with Chris Hatfield on my other podcast, Sick Boy, and uh, for people who don't know, I mean, if you don't know Chris Hatfield, get your life together. But uh, he's he's like the Canadian astronaut. He's, he's basically on our $5 bill. Um, and, uh, we got to sit down and chat with him, but we were like, before that recording, we're a bunch of potty mouths and like, of course I want to know oh, what no. happens to come in space. He does like Ned Flanders. He does look like Ned. Yeah. <laughs> oh my but God. And he's a saint. Like he, Ned is a, Flanders. he is, <laughs> he is a saint. And so of course we go into this recording and we're like, if we have any expectations of him sharing this this has to be so PG. And so of course we didn't, we didn't ask about come in space. I think we did ask about drinking in space. Alcohol. Yeah. And he was like, never heard of it. 
No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I was like, okay, all right, fine, fine. I can't, guess I can't children, ask him though. about space boners then. He, he has children. He has had sex, right? He is, he does participate. He has had sex. Oh my God, crying. No, he's just a Ken doll. He's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. um, I actually remember listening to a, a podcast. Hmm. Okay. Wow. It was a couple of years ago and it was on sex and space. And Whoa. it was an episode that had to do with with talking about colonizing Mars. Yes. Um, and what relationships would look like on Mars and what um, sexual relationships would look like on Mars and then en route to Mars. And there is, I think he's an evolutionary psychologist. There's this dude, Jeffrey Miller, who is very pro poly. And he was saying that poly relationships would probably do well on when we're beginning to colonize another planet. Like, what am I even talking about right now? But we're beginning to colonize another planet um, due to the fact that he said something along the lines of like astronauts would already have high emotional intelligence in order to be making out this venture into space and that there would already have to be certain levels of like trust and openness and communication that poly relationships would just generally work better than monogamous relationships. Um, they didn't go, he, the, the episode didn't really go into the physicality of like what would sex and space look right. like, feel like, or be, but it was mostly about like the relationship dynamics. I mean this, so yeah, I love that we actually just started going <laughs> down this road. I'm sure we won't stay here, but I do. That's really fascinating. But Brian and I recently were talking about, about going to space and going to Mars. And like, you know, when you go there, let's say that this does become a pot. I mean, it is quite, realistically something that is going to happen in the coming I find that so scary in the coming decades and so mm-hmm. the people who go there they're it's a one way ticket like they're going there to start something and they're not coming back i, I mean that's the way that's that's likely how it's going to be does it does it take a long time to get will it take a long time to get there uh yeah it's like uh what is it like a couple months i think it's like oh, okay okay yeah, yeah. so not not no, so no long. it's not not forever um but but this idea of like copulating in in space and colonizing another planet and and reproducing humans on this other planet i it makes sense that poly relationships would like probably do well but also i feel like the 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 first jealous murder in space okay now we're going down a whole nother podcast Uh, but 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 hold on (laughs) what i was gonna say was i feel like poly relationships would would I wonder if it would lead to a bit of a tricky situation in terms of like um, in terms of inbreeding, right? Mm. It's like, like if you have only a select few people up there, Mm. I feel like you would want to make sure that there's like monogamy happening. Just so you can control the gene pool a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of like controlling what, yeah. Controlling what happens when trying to recreate more. But then again, I guess you're not, I guess I'm a fucking idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. You're not going up to Mars to populate it just with the, like with the first Mm -hmm. 50 people Mm -hmm. that went up there. There's a bunch of other people following. So yeah, make it a big orgy. Fuck yeah. I love this. This is great. Well, the other poly like principles of like, everybody's looking after everybody, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not your family and my family. It's like our family. You kind of, I'm assuming you're going to need that sort of mentality when you're 
when you're colonizing a new planet because I'm sure some of those first births and raising mm. of children and the figuring out of like how do you raise a how do you raise mm-hmm. a baby in space is it's not always going to be super uh, clean and tidy, I wouldn't imagine. No. I'm sure there's going to be, be some of that. Well, I'm glad we got the space and sex out of the way right off the bat. Uh, um, <laughs> Let's bring it down to earth. Yeah, I think, I think, <laughs> well, it's funny, like Bridie, I mean, so I had said earlier, we had just done a, we had recently done a show together with you, Kenzie. And um, one of the, one of the three things that, that we sort of touched on a little bit in the show, but again, you, the three of us together, we just kind of like, we go off in every direction, but, but we did touch on, uh, confidence, body confidence, self-confidence, um, Mm. which is something that I think is pretty safe to say. There's, there's, there's not many, if anyone who doesn't struggle with their own self-confidence at some point and whether that's confidence within your relationship, confidence in your own self, um, uh, and this is this is like a a topic that I feel like you Kenzie can speak to really well as it it really does like align with a lot of a lot of the things that you are posting to your social media folks if you're listening and you don't know Kenzie Brenna and you aren't following her on uh Instagram again get your life together <laughs> uh but you should go check it out because there's a lot of like there's a lot of important messaging surrounding confidence and and body confidence and i think that that is something that again a lot of us struggle with um just like anecdotally um since the last time we talked i've broken out in like a wild scaly rash all over my body Mm. it's like unbearable but the impact that it's had i'm like well i just you know every now and then todd will be like do you want to like maybe get out of your sweatpants and i'm like no no, I, I I don't plan on leaving the house or putting on sexy mm. clothes or doing anything until this is gone. And it could be like months, but I'm just like, no, that part of me is on hold. Mm. And all I can do right now is like really focus my self-talk to be as, as encouraging and as nurturing as I can because the behind the scenes voice, like the voice in the background is like horrified at yeah. what mm. I am seeing and like feeling. Um, so since, since the last time we talked, I'm, I'm like, I'm touching this body confidence thing again in a, in a completely different way than I ever have experienced before. Mm-hmm. And it's wildly triggering too, because, um, uh, because so I, so I clamped down on and, and put myself on a really restricted autoimmune protocol diet. And as anybody who has ever had a run in with an eating disorder before the minute you start control like that, you, you take on that sort of controlling aspect of your, of your diet. Again, it can bring up all kinds of like old, old, Mm. old stuff that I was like, Oh, I thought, I thought I was done with that. But as soon, as soon as it's like paying that much attention to what goes in on a daily basis, Mm. it's like all of a sudden the shackles are back on. In a way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry, Bridie. That sounds really, really, really tough and really painful. And it's interesting because there are so many different things that could affect our body image. Like you having a rash might affect you, but weight gain might not, you know, or, or acne might not, or, um, maybe your hair thins out, or maybe you're getting gray hair. Like there are so many different things that might affect our body image. And 
that we all have a thing for us that we're like, this is the thing that doesn't make me feel good in, in, and at home in my body, you know? And so I totally hear you and see you. And I, there's probably a part of yourself that's like, you're being really hard on yourself. And there is, it's, it's hard to be compassionate when, when you're confused with what's going on with your body. And it feels like your body's like, not, it's, it's like, not communicating with itself, you know, when you're like, I'm doing all of the right things, or I'm not technically stressed out, or I didn't do, I didn't like switch my laundry detergent, or I didn't eat (laughs) anything that was like inflammatory. And so what's going on with my body? Like it can cause like a lot of confusion and it makes us feel really disconnected. Um, and then I think it's like, how do we, what's our relationship to disconnection? Like when we're Mm. in that space of being disconnected, how do we just relate to that? You know, do we end up becoming more stressed? Can we remain curious? What path do we end up taking with that? So like even just like rash or um, whatever it is or whatever trigger it is aside, how do we just have, like what is our relationship to discomfort or disconnection? Um, and I think like that's the space that I think can can have a lot of reflection and can have a lot of um, uh, potent ingredients for you to get to know yourself a little bit more. Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Where do you, like, where do you, Kenzie, um, you know, a lot of your, a lot of what you speak about so elegantly is, is about like self-love. And I think that uh, for a lot of people, that's, that's, I think for a lot of people, uh, there's a lot of folks out there who know that they don't love themselves. And mm-hmm. like they're fucking working on it. And it's this constant, it's this constant project of like trying to do better, to to be more kind to yourself, to, you know, what you were just saying right there, Brad. It's like you are conscious of the internal voice that you have. And you know that it's important for you to work on that dialogue with yourself. 
But there's also this huge swath of the population who don't even realize that they harbor so much self-hate or, or self-disdain. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Where do you, like, how did you get here? How did you get to this place where this, this like message of self-love has become so, so important for you? Um, like, where did this stem from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- honestly thought you were going to say, where do you get off? That's what like, I where do, you- where do you get off? <laughs> where do you have the nerve, like something along <laughs> How the lines? dare you? <laughs> and I was going to be like, valid. Like, what is the, like, I have audacity. I understand. Um, wait, but what was the actual question? I was wondering where, where does it come from? Like, where do you, right, where do right. you, you know, what, what was the catalyst to push you into really pushing for that self, that, that, that self, um, like journey towards, towards encouraging self-love. Mm-hmm. And, and then on top of that, like, where did it, where did you get the, where'd you get the fucking balls to, to <laughs> like put that out to the world? Because it, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's really, it's fucking hard enough to admit to yourself that you don't love yourself. Mm. then to then to take that and to put it forward to an entire audience of people in the in the hopes of like promoting more self-love i mean that christ that's like such a i don't know it, it's it's such a like valiant mm. thank you thing that's, to do. thank you i really appreciate that um yeah it was you know, it, it wasn't like one aha moment. Like there wasn't just like one moment that, that was a catalyst. It was like a bunch of tiny commitments and choices that I made to look at myself differently. And to be honest, um, it, it came from a place of, it really did come from a place of like dieting where I was just like, I have always been told that the thinnest version of me possible is the best version of me possible. But when I was at Mm. my thinnest, I was never, I I was, I I was never, I never felt my best. Like I felt my best in the sense that people were congratulating me and people were complimenting me. And when your self-worth is, is derived of other people's opinions of you, you feel pretty damn good when you're losing weight because people can't help, but comment on it all Mm. the time. Um, and Jeremy, I'm sure that you have a different experience with weight loss due to health stuff where you're like, we don't want to go down that road at all. Um, but for a lot of people, weight loss is a, a place where it's congratulatory. It's very affirming. Um, you know, you get accepted into more spaces when you're trying to lose weight than if you just accept your body at whatever size it is. Um, and so, I found the body positivity community about four years ago or five years ago. Um, and it really, first the messages, I was like, there's no way that you can love yourself at any size. Like these people are fucking liars. Like there's just no way there's no way. And I was like, hate following people. And I was like, you know, um, sending my friends DMS of their content being like, there's no way that these people actually love themselves. And then slowly, but surely like the messages started to click. Like I started, I stopped becoming less judgmental of them. And I, and I just continued to try to be a little bit more curious about them. Um, and then 
it wasn't until I started like reading books about the body that like that were more about scientific literature than they were about storytelling that I started to like almost look at myself as if like my whole body is a process, you know, like we have like trillions of cells in our body and that's so interesting and so cool. And a cell on its own is nothing significant. It's just a cell. But when you put trillions of them and different kinds of them all together, all of a sudden you get this conscious, alive human being. Mm. And I stopped like hating myself because I started to love that process that I was like, this is just cool. Like in general, like this is, even if I don't necessarily love my cellulite or love my stretch marks or love my varicose veins or love like my uneven tits or whatever it is, it's like, consciousness in and of itself is just the most radical, unreal, weird thing that the universe has ever come up with. Mm. Like the universe was born 13.8 billion years ago. And at some point it woke up to itself. And Mm. I can't deny that. Like, I just, I love that. And in that space, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty cool. Okay. Maybe (laughs) my stretch marks, maybe my stretch marks aren't the worst thing that's happened. And maybe my, my weight and my scars and my cellulite, maybe it's not the worst thing that the universe has ever seen. And I think just like having that bigger perspective was the biggest shift for me is just being like, I'm just such a small piece in this vast arena that we call the universe, that we call the cosmos. And it was just like having that like felt like a little bit of an, of an epiphany. And then like you commit to that perspective over and over and over again. Like when you get hard on yourself, you know, um, just, just kind of like, I always try to ask myself, like, what is it about this moment right now? That's like really making, like we were saying, Brady, like that's really making me feel disconnected. That's like not making me feel curious. It's not making me feel impassioned. And sometimes self-love is too much of a reach, but maybe you can like get into a place of like, body neutrality where you just feel neutral, you know, you don't hate it. You don't love it, but you're like peaceful. You know, it's not, it's not, your body doesn't become a battleground for your mind. It's not a place of, um, war. You're not trying to like fight with yourself and hate yourself. You're just like neutral with it. Um, so it was over the last few years, like for the last like four years, actually, that I think it just was small little commitments every single day. And like, really educating myself on my body, really taking the time to learn and understand about the processes that exist within my body and outside of my body to make it exist that I thought this is pretty cool. I'm, Mm. I'm okay with myself. What I love so fucking much about what you just said is, you know, like, is this, <clears throat> it's not not that it's a, a tactic, but I, but it, but I guess it could be viewed as one. But like to in order to shift your perspective on something that is oftentimes seen as so so challenging. So the example being like you know overcoming self hatred. Um, it, it made me think about the the. It made me think about fearing death. And oftentimes this, this idea of like fearing your own death is, is it's very, it's very common for folks. It's, um, and it's, it's one of those things where people have a really hard time, like trying to, trying to like fucking put the pieces together to figure out so that they don't feel as, they don't feel this like crippling fear when they think about their, their own demise. Mm -hmm. And for, for a lot of people, a lot of people who I've spoken to, who have 
figured out the the equation for them to allow them to see death as as death for what it is and not this big scary thing mm-hmm. it's oftentimes this like pulling back and looking at their life or looking at the universe in this in this much more um much more like grandiose way where it almost makes you feel as though you are far more insignificant than you could ever imagine and not in, and not in a bad way, you know, like in this very beautiful with it, like the the, the universe is massive. You're insignificant. Nothing really matters because Mm. life is just a, what was that? What was that? Um, we were at a gra- we were at a graveyard this past weekend, or at a at a cottage. <laughs> we were at a graveyard for my birthday. We were at a yeah. cottage for your birthday, and there was a graveyard on the <laughs> property. And one of the one of the one of the gravestones said, "Life is a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanished." And like that, like that is it. life is just this like little vapor. That, that's all mm-hmm. it is, and it's here for a minute and then it's gone. And that's there's something beautiful about that. Okay, so coming back to what you just said there scaling down down to the 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 micro like cellular level in order to see your body as not this body that is walking around and getting in cars and sitting in chairs and you know doing the daily activities that we do but instead seeing yourself as the cosmos as the fucking universe itself yeah these trillions of trillions of little tiny things that just miraculously because they all came together and they're 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 mushing into each other as close as they possibly can and moving around at such great speeds that it forms us it forms it forms consciousness it forms mm-hmm. thoughts it forms it everything that we do is because of all these trillions of tiny little fucking things like that that ability to to see the world, whether it, whether it be through this magnifying glass or whether it be through this telescope, mm. and and to like shift your perspective on how how you feel about something that is truly troubling you or truly like um, affecting the way that you go about your day to day in a way that isn't serving you is mm. so important. And I don't think I've ever thought about it outside of the the outside of the confines of like of 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 managing the thoughts around death and existence mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know hearing you say that it was like it's the first time i've heard someone use this that similar again tactic to to just love yourself like to to just mm-hmm. like be more kind and curious. and curious about your own body and be okay with your quote unquote imperfections you know um, yeah. I fucking, I love that. I fucking love that. Yeah, absolutely. And Bridie, happy belated birthday. Love that you spent it at a graveyard cottage, whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever that was. <laughs> um, happy belated birthday. And, and I love that, um, that quote that, that you referenced. I think that that's so beautiful. And, um, the transience of life is, is an impermanence of it just, and Jerry, I want to respect like, you know, your relationship that you have to it because you have a diff- different relationship to that than I think Bridie and I might, um, it, it slips through your fingers so easily. Mm. And when you really do get that, I do think that you end up 
perceiving your, your body, other bodies in different ways, not all the time, but like in different ways, like you generally might have a perspective of like life is very finite. And, Mm. you know, right now, um, I don't want to necessarily spend all of this time hating myself. And of course I wanted to say too, cause I was thinking as you were chatting, not a great listener, obviously, but I was thinking as yeah. you were chatting, um, that, you know, when I like look in the mirror and I don't like what I see, I don't always get to a place of like being like, Oh, but I'm the universe. This is so cool. Like, mm. it's okay to have those moments where you're like, fuck, like, I just like wish that I looked a little bit different today. I just, for myself, I don't even care if other people see it. I just wish that I fit into these jeans different, or I just wish that I didn't have a fucking rash, or I just wish that I like felt different in my body. Like those moments are so, those moments are human and they're so okay. And, and it's, it's all right to not get to a better place. Like that's part of the journey as well. Um, I think that one of the things that has been different for me in the last few years is just like this, like self ex- this uh the self exploratory um like audacity that I have of just, just like looking in the mirror and when I don't like what I see, it's like, well, why? Like, where, where is this thought process coming? Is it coming from the comments that my mother made to me growing up? Or is it coming from myself? Is it coming from the media? Like what's going on here? And then trying to understand a little bit more and then leaving that moment. Like, even if I don't get to a place of self-love, just being okay with the fact that like, eh, I might not just like mm. be totally completely in love with myself today. And I move on. Um, not staying in that moment, I think is like really incredible. And I I want people to hear that, like, you know, those moments don't have to be your whole day or your whole week. Like it can just be a bad moment and then you move on. I wanted to, may I say something? I I wanted to uh, chat about something you said, um, a few moments ago, I wrote, I just wrote down the word judgment because, um, you're talking about like DMing your friends with images of other people and saying they can't possibly love themselves. And judgment to me has always been one of the biggest red flags. Like if I am feeling judgmental about other people, it is a huge red flag to me that there's something that I need to look at mm-hmm. internally. I, I want to hear, I would love to hear more about your experience with like what your own experiences of judging other people have taught you about where your work is or what you might be feeling insecure about? Oh my God, for sure. I love this question. I used to be so judgmental. Like, I'm so sorry. Um, I used to be so judgmental and I would, and it was like internally, I, I wouldn't never say them out loud, but I would be judging people on everything. Like I would notice everything about them and it wasn't, and I would know, and, and I would notice everything about myself too. Like I was just I was hyper aware like that. And so you're 100% right. Like as soon as you start judging other people, it's time to turn that lens inward and ask yourself like what's going on inside of here. Mm. Like I remember the first time that I heard of, of polyamory, I was like, once again, I was like, there's no way people are happy doing that. They are in denial. They have (laughs) avoidant personalities. They're in denial. Like, you know, um, making judgments and then, um, like, like actually forming a belief system about, about people based on just my own observations. And that's not right. (laughs) Um, and so coming back to what is my relationship with people having multiple partners? And it's like, oh, well, I don't really understand it. And so because I don't understand it, I'm making conclusions about it. 
And I love this one Brene Brown quote. And like, I had to be the white chick on your podcast to quote Brene (laughs) Brene Brown. I had to. Um, She says, when we are in in the absence of data, we will always make up stories. And so when we don't have information, we will always put information out there, even if it's not real. And so I kind of connect that back to the judgment because you might be looking at somebody else, even if it's like a positive judgment, like let's say you're scrolling through Instagram and you're like, oh my God, all of these people have their shit together. No one is like struggling the way that I am. Everybody's in like a really great state of mind. They're thriving through this pandemic. And it's like, I don't really know that. I think that one of the biggest ways that we can stop having so much judgment is by is by being present and like practicing self-awareness, like coming back to the present moment, realizing that like we're getting too caught up in someone else's life or, or in, in otherness of other people and bringing it back to ourselves. And then asking that question of like, what is this thing that I'm judging right now? Um, what's my relationship to it? Like if it's a negative judgment, if I'm noticing that like someone has gained weight and I don't think that they look very good, where is that thought coming from? Mm. Um, or if I'm getting into a place of like, I'm really harshly judging myself, that could be a pattern that I'm trying to break. Or if I'm positively judging other people, like I'm, I'm assuming that they're like great doing awesome, all of that stuff. Do I have enough data to make that assessment? Like, Mm. am I being realistic with that? Or is there more to this story that I'm not privy to? Mm. I got that. And I think that's such an important note to, to like, to kind of pull into, I mean, all all aspects of your life, but even thinking, I I don't know uh, what Brene Brown was using that was using, like what the context of that quote was, was coming from, but you just saying that made me think about, you know, how sometimes if I'm like, if I'm in a, in like a fight with a partner and like not knowing what their thinking or not knowing the whole picture of whatever it is we're we're like arguing about and then creating these stories in in your head like it's such a oh my god it's so easy to do yeah it's so it's so and it's like you can just get so imaginative and that's Mm. kind of like the positive part of it is that like jerry you're also a storyteller like it's Mm. just natural for you to like see something and be like there's a beginning middle and end to this i'm gonna figure it out and to start doing that you know um and because partners can bring out the most wonderful beautiful adorable sensitivities about us Mm. we can be so insecure about them like we can just be, we can be storytellers in that way, um, and have it be almost like a negative thing. And I think that like, I do that so often too, when I'm in partnership and, um, with my friends and with work and stuff, it's so easy to just, I mean, I, I do classic, like this person hates me. This person doesn't want to talk to me or like, like anything that you could possibly think Mm -hmm. of. Um, it's so normal and it's so human. And like, we're also wired like that. You know, we were like living in tribes for like thousands of years where you had to deeply care what people thought of you because if they thought poorly of you, or if you did something bad, you were going to be exiled and then you would die. And so it's like ingrained in us 
And I think that we need, we can like work with our biology. I don't think we have to like go against it. I don't think we have to like hack our way out of it. I think that there's like a positive aspect to caring about what other people think, because that's also your community. Mm-hmm. You know, those are your humans that you've chosen to spend time with and that you've chosen to be part of your little village. And it's like, it's good to care what other people think. It's also good to care what you think of yourself and what you are doing in relationship to those people. Mm. Um, it's kind of like a both and not either or. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your, what's your time here? How, like, are you, are you good to go for another little bit or you got it? You yeah. Got, I'm good, good okay. to go until two. Yeah. Okay. Sweet, sweet. Um, I'm, I'm dying to know. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the old cliche of like, how can you love anyone if you can't, if you mm. can't even love yourself? <laughs> Um, how, you know, this journey of self-love and, and finding, finding the ways that, that are necessary to, to speak to yourself and look at yourself, um, in order to feel like you do have a lot of self-love. How has that, how has that affected your interpersonal relationships? Um, Mm. if at all, and, 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 and like, have you, is that something that you've noticed or, or reflected on? Mm, yeah. Um, it's funny. Cause that, that I don't necessarily agree with that quote. Like I know what mm. that quote's trying to do and trying to say, but there are so many times where I genuinely loved people while hating myself. Do right. I think that it was like the most expansive free type of love and the one that is, um, like not codependent. No, definitely not. But I genuinely was loving towards other people while not being in a loving relationship with myself. And so I, I think it's a weird like standard that people are, I think that self-love can be a standard. Like, you know, I have to first love myself and then I'll be able to like love other people. But, um, love doesn't necessarily work like that. I, at least I don't, I don't think so. Um, and self-love can be, you know, we're so we're 12,000 times harder than on ourselves than we are on other people. Mm. Um, with a few, few exceptions, of course. But so I think that it's like, that can be like a weird standard for other people, but the way that like me loving myself shows up in my interpersonal relationships, I think that I like, yeah, I, I coming back to the judgment piece, I'm so less judgmental with people Yeah, like, and, and I, and I, mm have like really learned to be patient at like treat, treat them the way that I'm treating myself within that self-love journey. So working on being compassionate, working on, on listening, working on being kind, um, working on asking questions and being curious, like all of those, the way that I like am in relationship to myself right now is the way that I try to act in accordance with, with other people. So I think that like, yeah, it's, it's, it does feel like 12,000 times better. Um, and it definitely feels like it's so much more interesting, you know? Um, and also it's, it's when you are in a space of like, you know, being inquisitive about yourself and trying to be kinder and more compassionate to yourself, you end up having different people in your life as well. Um, you, you not, not saying that you like exile people who are like struggling with self-hate or who aren't on that journey or whatnot. Um, but you just, you find people who are like also, who also match to that. Mm. Um, I don't really know how else to describe it, but it, and that's cool too, because you just get into like a little like crew of people who, 
are good and who are kind and who are learning and working on that and trying to be better in that, in that way. I love that. I love any, anything on the subject of community really. But one of the, one of the original three points that we had, we had talked about uh, the first time we chatted a month and a half ago was storytelling as a way of, I think you said as a way of relating or communicating with your community community. And since we've already talked so much about Mm -hmm. storytelling, like, I think I feel like that's a huge part of your platform, your podcast, your mm-hmm. Instagram as well. It's like you're very candid and you show it seems like a full range of like where you're at when you're feeling good, mm-hmm. when you're not feeling great. And I, I just wonder where that sort of value for storytelling as as a way of creating community is, has like developed or where that's come from for you. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. Great question. Oh, you guys are, oh, you guys are the best. Okay. (laughs) So, um, I actually heard, I don't know if you both feel this way. Um, Jerry, you've been in like the media space longer than I have, but the term storytelling was like a new term to me until like four, like four years ago is when I first started hearing it. And I felt like it exploded. Like everyone became a storyteller. Did right. you ever, yeah. did you feel that? Like uh, I there think, was like a boom. Yeah, I think I do. I think I do, but I also went to theater school. So like I was always, mm. I was always in the realm of storytelling. Like that's, but I think I do now. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was this kind of boom of like, it was like first there was like thought leaders and then it went into like storytellers. Like, mm. you know, it was like, oh, I'm yes. a thought, I'm a thought entrepreneur. Thought I'm a, yeah. Thought and then like, and then, and then like, yeah. And then like another, you know, another two years is like, oh yeah. Yeah. Thought entrepreneur. Uh, yeah. I'm a storyteller. I tell stories, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, but I, but I mean, the, totally. yeah, I, I feel now, I, now, if now I'm going to be so self-conscious every time I, I self-identify <laughs> as a storyteller because I really truly do. But now I'm like, oh fuck, it's over. You. I, know, I know. I I am I am a thought I am a thought entrepreneur. I'll just stick with that. Yeah. Thoughtrepreneur. Um God, thoughtrepreneur, mom preneur. Like there's like so many <laughs> yeah, of those yeah, like, yeah. preneurisms. Oh my goodness. Um yes. Yeah, so storytelling definitely came up like about four years ago. I started to like kind of really actively think about it. I think um similar to Jer, like being close to the acting community, I always kind of knew things had like a beginning, middle and end, Mm. especially when I was, um, journaling about stuff. Like I always kind of in, in a very like diaristic way, like always told like a beginning, middle and end and stuff. But then when I was actually applying that to my content, it really changed. And when I started to look at myself, like I had a beginning, middle and end, that started to change me as well. Mm. Um, and then my desire to connect with other people is so great and definitely comes from like, <laughs> like definitely was like born from a place of like need because of the way that like of how sensitive I was as a kid and how I just desired to like be so close to everyone that now it's kind of like, well, I have to be so close to everyone because I just want to know everything about everyone all the time. Like I want to know everyone's thoughts on everything, um, which can be annoying to people, but it's who I am. Um, and I realized when I was, when I started to talk about self-love and let's like, you know, I, I was talking about stretch marks and cellulite and weight gain and diet culture and all of that. I started to realize that people connected to different things. So if I say that weight bias has affected more than half of Canada's obese population, 
to the point where they receive poor medical care based on bias, that might trigger an effect into someone of of thinking like, oh, maybe I should like treat fat people a little bit differently because this is really serious. Like weight bias negatively impacts health. Um, But I could say that to other people and that doesn't ring ring a bell. (laughs) But if I tell them about the story of the fact that um, someone who was fat didn't receive proper medical attention and went in with pain and their doctor told them to lose weight and then they died two weeks later because they actually had a blood clot that the doctor wouldn't look at because they thought that they were just being lazy, that story might hit differently with other people. And so I started to realize Mm. that statistics or um, like general population knowledge is really important. And then also storytelling, like making sure that like we have these like individual stories to go along with some of the statistics that we're talking about, I think can like really, and it just depends on like who the person is, like who's listening and who's reading, because there are so like, I don't think that our brains are designed to like, think about like a thousand people or like 2000 people or like a million people that are going through like a genocide. But I actually just read about this somewhere. Um, but charities know that if they highlight one child's story, that they'll get so many more donations than if they say like, Hey, there's like a million people that are going through like Mm. a drought right now, or that they're going, they're, they're refugees or something. Like if they highlight one, then it like, gets into our heart a little bit more. And I think that that's like a little bit of a number game. So when it comes to storytelling, I think it's like, it's such an important way to get through to other people and to connect and to just like learn and, and whatnot. Um, I'm going to be the white girl on the podcast that brings up a Glennon Doyle uh, quote. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, <laughs> well, Jerry, she could- you should be, you're so privileged right now. Oh, you're geez, so privileged uh, right now. <laughs> but she, she in her book, um, Untamed, she says, what's the most beautiful story you could tell about your life? And that, when I read that, I was like, that really affected me. I really mm-hmm. thought a lot about that because there are moments in my day, even sometimes where I'm like, oh, this is like what my week looks like or like oh my God, I just like, it's one thing after another, but it's all the same and the days repeat Mm. and it's like, what is the point? And like, even today I woke up and I'm like, it's Monday. And Mm. there was all this set of like things that come with it being a Monday and the weekend after my, my graveyard birthday. And, uh, and and then it was, and then I'm, it's just now talking to you and I'm like, Mm. oh my God, the best, like the most, the most beautiful story about my day is that I woke up in my warm and cozy house with my loving animals and I got up and I I you know I prepared my space I cleaned the Mm. whole thing from top to bottom and prepared my prepared myself for my week and then I I'm here having this incredible conversation with people that I really admire and really respect and then tonight I get to go lead people through a yoga class and they're gonna Mm. you know it's gonna change their days and then at the end of the day, yeah, I'll be exhausted and I'll be ready for bed. And it's such a fucking way nicer thing than, oh, my God, it's Monday again. Mm. I have so many tasks to do. <clears throat> when will I get to go back to bed? You know, that's really such a things. yeah, that's such a good point. The The stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and other people can shift our perspectives dramatically. Mm. Um Something that my ex and I used to do is when we were, you know, when 
sometimes when there was stress in the relationship, we would say like to the other, other person, like the story that I'm telling myself is that you don't necessarily care about X, Y, and Z, or that you aren't being thoughtful about this, this, and this, um, whatever it was. And when you say that it, it like, Oh, there's just like so much more wiggle room for reality. Like, you know, you can, you can say like, this is a story that I'm telling myself. Can you confirm it? Like, can you corroborate this story? Like, can you let me know if this is right? Or can you add to it again? Like, can you give me data? So that way I can fill in the gaps here. Um, and then also I'm so with you on that Bridie. And thank you for that beautiful reminder too, because I had like a case of like the Mondays this morning where I was like, Oh my God, when is it Friday? Like I'm already done. Um, and then the other story to that is like, Oh my God, I have so many beautiful things lined up for me today. And I am so excited that I get to connect with these people and it could be so much worse. And like, yeah, we're living in a pandemic and it's February in Southern Ontario or it's March and it's Southern in, in, in Southern Ontario. But like, wow, there's a lot going around, going on around me that is really magical. And, um, that perspective and that judgment shifts when, when you can change that story. Mm. And when you become the narrator of your story, instead of just like the passive reader or whatnot. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's reminiscent of like the, you know, how effective the practice of gratitude can be, you know, like just, just having a gratitude journal or having a gratitude meditation that you just kind of pop into every once in a while to, to again, just shift the narrative, to shift the way that you, to shift your perspective on, on how you're, you're looking at your day. And the other thing too, the other thing too, to like that, that Glennon Doyle quote, I, I love it because, you know, like one of the things, I mean, one of the things that I've learned over the last like five or six years in, in, in this work, in the realm of podcasting is just you know, rarely do we speak to like celebrities. Rarely do we speak to high profile individuals <clears throat> on either show on sick boy or, or this show. And most of the time we're speaking to <clears throat> just your average everyday person. Mm-hmm. And those people time and time and time and time again, they all have these wildly beautiful engaging stories like everyone has their own story to tell and and that's not unique to those people that are on the show it everybody does everyone has their own story and all of those stories are fucking chock full of Mm -hmm. beautiful moments and you know things to learn from and i don't know i think that's like one of my favorite favorite realizations in 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 creating a job where I get to just talk to people is, mm-hmm. is just realizing that like, fuck, we're all just chock full of beautiful stories. That's all we are. Oh my God. Absolutely. It's the best. I feel like too, like this is something I've been kind of contemplating a little bit over the last couple of weeks um, is what value can come from ha- knowing your own story and telling your own story mm. and like, and maybe breaking it down. Like it's, it's kind of like mm. a, and a process I'd like to, I would like to go through maybe with like a mentor or with a, a group of people who are all doing it. Like, what is the value, do you mm. think, of like knowing, owning, 
telling, sharing your own story. I mean, we've mentioned so many things here. Like, first of all, it can, it can connect you to a tribe of people who are like, oh my God, I thought I was alone. Yeah. You know, or that sounds just like my experience Mm -hmm. or wow, that totally like blew like some biases that I had out in the open. And now I realize that that I can look at the world in a different way now that I've heard your story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Understanding the, like why you tick the way you do, you mm-hmm. know, like that there's, there's so much, I think, I think everyone has some element to their own story that they haven't really fully recognized or dealt with. And in turn that that's going to affect the way that you, you view anything day to day. It's going to affect the way that, you know, it's going to affect the way that you react to certain things that are said Mm -hmm. or done around you. And so the more, you know, the more you've like unpacked your own story, the more you learn about who you are and why you are the way you are. And perhaps the things that you would like to see evolve, Mm. you know, in your own life. I was reading something actually on on your on Leah's um, Instagram page. She's an incredible writer, and she um, this is Jeremy's partner. It, she's a yoga teacher, and but she'll write these reflections. And she said in a recent post something about uh, realizing realizing like she was carrying a lot of. I think it was. I think she used the word a lot of identity. Like she was been carrying all these various identities that she's had throughout her life, and it was like she was waking up and realizing that she was seeing that she had, um, she had like all the name tags still on from every event she was at, and it was just like it's time to like it's time to peel off some of those old like name tags. I don't. I don't know mm. where I would where mm. I would find that. Mm. Page, I but. love that. No, I love that. I'd love to groove with a few things that both of you said. Um, You're so right, especially when it comes, what like being that active storyteller is so important and it is so beautiful, Mm -hmm. like being able to have this space that you both have created to like connect with other people that just have like 12 million stories to share um, and stories within stories, I think is just, it's like the coolest thing. Um, But something that's what really well known in trauma research and in therapy is that Um, this, and it's not to diminish what happened to create trauma in a person's life, but everybody knows that how you tell the story of that trauma is 12,000 times more important than what actually happened. Mm. Because if you are telling the story as a victim who has absolutely no agency or no autonomy in this present moment, the way that you go about life is going to be a lot different than if you tell the story um, from a more empowering perspective. And that's not, again, like, I feel like I have to give like caveats with when I say things like that, um, that people who go through, who go through really terrible things are 100% victims. And like, that is real and um, bad things happen to innocent people all of the time. Um, And it's not a, it's not an either, or it's a both. And, and you also can conquer that. And mm. you can also be empowered by really terrible things that happen to you. And I'm absolutely an example of that, but like, th- that's not a standard for people to hit. It's just something that is known that how we tell the story of our lives is very, very, very important and much more important than what actually happened mm. in our lives. Um, and then I just wanted to kind of note on the gratitude thing, because 
I really think that like gratitude has been, um, I know that we say it a lot, especially in wellness spaces like gratitude lists. Um, and I know that gratitude is, is a big part of, um, some people's yoga practices and in meditation and stuff. Um, but I don't think, I don't even know if there is like a book on this or, or anything like that, but I've been really getting into and sinking into gratitude much more often lately, especially during the pandemic. And I've been understanding that when you are in a deep, deep gratitude state, you're really vulnerable because Mm. in order to, to be grateful for the things in your life, you have to know that they can be taken from you at any point. And you have to be so stoked for the fact that they're there right now. Mm. And that does make you vulnerable. Like, even if it's like something so small as like, I'm going to make tea in the morning and I get to like drink my favorite tea and I'm so happy to drink it. And I'm so grateful for that. My life would be like a little bit more shitty if I didn't have that every day. Mm. And if I didn't have the like thousand little things that make my day good, my life wouldn't be as awesome. And so when I'm grateful for that, I feel vulnerable to it at the same time. Like, wow, this stuff could be taken from me or like things could change and I could be really uncomfortable or things could get bad, like really Mm. bad or things could get worse. And so I think when you practice gratitude, I think it's also a practice in vulnerability. And I think that that's really beautiful. And that creates a lot of resiliency and and a lot of appreciation for life, for what people have had or what they are currently having. Um, and I, and I truly think it's like, it's so, so, so important and not just like a, okay, everyone like be grateful for like the cool things in your life. It's like, no, no, no. Like when you feel it, you really feel so vulnerable to it. Mm. Um, and I not not to bring up Brene Brown again, but she, she mentioned something of of a person that she was working with, um, and they said, you know, when you're grateful for what you have, I can trust that you know what I've lost. And I think that just like I'm like, mm. oh my god, if we practice gratitude so much more, we'll be able to also connect to others and connect to their stories so much more as well. Mm. Yeah, so much more compassion available to you. Mm-hmm. When you are aware of what you have, mm. yes, that's my, that's, that's my favorite part about uh, d- of, of doing psychedelics is that I think it like it vaults me into that state of going, "Wow, <laughs> I I am so grateful for this thing that I've never looked at it from this vantage point before," and. How awful would it be if I could never have this? You know, it's like oh, I, it's yeah. like it's a it's, but it, it maybe it's to a fault when you're on psychedelics because it's everything. You're like, <laughs> wow, cans <laughs> like cans can hold a, a perfect container for liquid. Can you imagine if we didn't have cans? Oh my god, I love that. That's so <laughs> Just, awesome. That's it's so, so awesome. Silly. It's so it's, what's um what's sex uh, on psychedelics like? I was going to call it sexadelics, and I didn't. And I'm so <laughs> glad you should have. It is. Uh, it is. I. I. It's. It's. Us. It's. Astoundingly, mind-blowingly, cosmically ecstatic. Really? It's awesome. Yeah. Scary at all? No. No, it's just like I, man, I that's a, it's it's um it's hard to describe, but it's like uh it's 
every time I've had sex on psychedelics, it's it feels like what. If oh man, it feels like it, what music tastes like. It yes, feel, yeah, yeah, totally. It, I mean, it feels like what it would feel like to be. Uh, this is going to sound so unrelatable and so uh, out there, but it it feels like what it would feel like to be the happiest firework in existence. And and your and your entire oh existence is the to happy little firework. Your, your 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 existence. Your purpose is to explode and and like and rain down color and sound, and that is like you are so happy to be that, and then you get to do the thing that you were put on this earth to do. That's what sex <laughs> is on psychedelics. You're like, I can't oh wait my to God. be a firework. Yeah, I would. It's like a Katy Perry song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. Wow. Um. Uh. Kenzie, I mean, I just, I, I, again, I can't like, I can't speaking of gratitude and being grateful, just like over the top grateful to, uh, to know you first of all, but secondly, to just have an opportunity to sit down and spend an hour, um, spend an hour in our day to just chat with you. Like, it's just, it's such a, it's such an uplifting and special experience and i'm just so glad that uh everyone who tunes into this podcast gets to experience a little bit a bit of that too um before we before we wrap it up uh again again i'm sure there's i can't imagine there's many people out there who aren't already uh following along with everything that you're putting (laughs) out there to the world but uh give those listeners who aren't uh a little heads up of where they can find you and how they can follow along Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter um, as Kenzie Brenna. I literally just forgot. (laughs) It's fine. Um, As Kenzie Brenna. And you can, yeah, hang out with me there. And I also have a little podcast called Conversations with Kenzie where you can absolutely listen in on there. Um, Thank you both so much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I feel bad that we we didn't talk about sex like we just talked about sex and space, which none of us have had. Um, <laughs> and then we kind of talked about sexadelics, but like, other than that, I feel bad that we didn't touch on anything. I don't feel bad. And figuratively. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't feel bad. I mean, this is the thing like the, like talking about, uh, we, we touched on like evolving as people like this, the, the podcast itself, turn me on is it's, it's evolved into something greater than sex, you know, like it, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, sex is a big part of a lot of what we talk about. And definitely was a huge part of, of what we talked about in the beginning, but it's, it's evolved to something more, more than that. It's evolved into like the way that we relate to ourselves, the way that we mm. relate to others in our life. And it's, how to be more <clears throat> awake and alive and turned yeah, on yeah, in your life in yeah. general. And mm. I, I, again, I see, I don't, I'm not on the gram any, anymore, but if I do pop on there, um, here and there to post about an event or whatever I yours is one of the pages that I go visit and just see what you're up to Mm. because I really you know I get sometimes paralysis at like not being able to know how to be a healer to all the people who like need Mm -hmm. that and when I look at what you're doing and I see your audience I'm just like so so grateful that 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 you're doing what you're doing and mm. keep helping people the way that you are. 
Thank you so much, Bradley. That means a lot. And I miss you on Instagram. Um, I don't think I could have, I don't think you, you, uh, yeah, I couldn't tag you the last story that I did about the event. You're yeah. like off the grid. You're like doing it. I'm, I'm envious. Legit, legit doing it. <laughs> I'll be back. I'm a saw. I'm a sucker. Yeah. I'm a I'm sucker like- for the attention. <laughs> I'll be back. Uh, <clears throat> again, Kenzie, thanks so much for taking time out of your day today. This was really fun. Thank you both so much. All right, folks, there you go. That was our conversation with Kenzie Brenna. I told you. Told you it was great. Uh, And that is all we have for you this week. But guess what? We are doing this pretty regularly, actually, (laughs) every week. So if you want more, then just tune in to us next week, every Wednesday. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that shit. That's where you find us. And uh, if you want to reach out, we're always open to hearing from all of you. You can just send us an email, termionpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, Bridie said it earlier, our Patreon. Bridie, why don't you give it to them one more time? How about you go on over to patreon.com slash turn me on and sign up to help support this podcast so we can keep these episodes coming. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough time out there in the world and we are so, so, so grateful um, and appreciative for all your support. Thank you so much. We sure are. Uh, folks, that is it for this week. It sure is, baby. Until next week. Go flip yourself. <laughs> Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.